Welcome to RPG Cast, episode 675 for the week of May 6, 2023. I'm Chris Perfect here bringing you the week's news and maybe some reviews of RPGs. Joining me, editor in chief of RP Gamer, Alex Fuller. Hi. Um, I don't know what you do here, Jason Ariola. Just this. Good, good morning. Just just this. All right. Podcaster, Jason Ariola. And uh formerly the stream team, now. Um, independent contractor of role-playing games and reviewer Phil Willis. Salutations. How how's the uh, independent contract life going with the? Uh, I don't know. What do you call it? Start playing now. Playing very good. Five paying games a week right now. People paying about fifteen to twenty dollars a chair. It's pretty good. You gonna quit your day job? No. No. <laughs> Counting still has the health benefits. So, uh, all right. No. Health benefits for role playing game leading would be interesting. Right. Does it cover death by gelatinous cube? <laughs> well, everybody, we're here for another episode of RPG Cast. Um, if you're watching us live, the podcast just started t- for the second time since the first time the computer decided to just reboot. So. Things bode well for a great show today. <laughs> oh, what are we doing? Um, I guess I will t- go first with what I've been playing. I know this is going to be a shock to you all. I've been playing Skyrim. Now, Chris, can you please explain to me what Skyrim is? It's an open world role playing adventure game where you are the dragonborn chosen of Akatosh to go right the wrongs of the world and defeat Alduin to prevent the end of time or something like that. Um, which of course means you murder wantonly across the landscape, turn into a werewolf, eat people's hearts and just steal from people who <laughs> do good things to you because you were a degenerate jerk. <laughs> now I got to say, I put in like 200 hours in a Skyrim on the 360, and you just gave me more of the plot than I could ever possibly remember. Nice. <laughs> so bravo. Yeah, I've been you know, trying I just to remember shouting Go ahead. At things. Yeah, you do shout at things. That's a thing you do. Well, I that was That's about it. Like, you know what? It's like a it's like a parenting uh, simulator kind of. You just shout at things to, and hopefully that just works. Well, okay, you're not it wrong. Makes the, it makes the problem go away. It makes <laughs> the problem go away to the other yeah. side of the room where they ragdoll and hit the wall. Until you fight someone else who can sh- foos at you, and then they keep stun-locking you, and it's real pain in the butt. I did that last night. I'm putting effort in this game. I'm, I've, I've, first of all, I ended the Stormcloak Rebellion last night. I'm a dirty Imperial. Long live the Queen. So Nice. Um, yeah, so there's that. Uh, I did that. And I'm doing more things. I'm collecting words of power. I'm continuing to become to bring back the thieves guild. I kind of wanted to stop the thieves guild, but then all of a sudden I was like a high-ranking member of it, and I don't know what to do anymore because I don't want there to be a thieves guild. But at this point, I don't know how to stop it, and I think it's my fault. 
I was hoping to get in. Dig it down, and yeah, got stuck. And and instead, like it's it's I am it, and I'm like, well, hmm, that's not what I wanted. (laughs) We've got to pull Chris out. He's in too deep. I'm in too deep. And like, there's this lady who does stuff with the thieves guild that I really want to have a reason to kill as part of a mission, and the game doesn't give me any options to do that. And I'm like, oh no, I, I didn't. I didn't play this right. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm in her back pocket. And it's like, this is not what I wanted. (laughs) I wanted to kill her. Maybe I should just go kill her. You can't always do that. Yeah, see, that's always an option. If I just wipe out the entire city of Riften, what happens? I don't think that's a good guy move, though, at that point. (laughs) I'm not a good guy. (laughs) I don't know what I am, but I'm not a good guy. (laughs) Then all of a sudden it becomes the shield version of Skyrim. Yeah. I'm I'm a bad person. Kitty. I'm a bad kitty. Because I'm a Khajiit. So everyone tells me that they're going to make a fine rug out of me. Which is weird, because I've never seen a Khajiit rug in this game. So I don't think they actually do that. Yeah, I don't know. He's so cool. (laughs) Be a big rug. And you turn them into rugs and you install them that house you just bought. I've bought so many them, houses. Gift them to your spouse. I have this expansion as yeah. part of like the special anniversary edition that gives me the ability to build even more houses. I have houses everywhere, but I I send everyone to the first home that I ever got because that's my canonical home. It's the home I got by having a death match with someone who didn't want to live anymore. Um, true story. <laughs> so I send everyone to that home. So I go in there and I've got all these pets wandering over. I've got two children. Um, it. And they've got pets, like, it's just crowded, and it's, like, perfect. The sounds of home. Chittering, panting foxes, chirping bug pets, um, uh, annoying mechanical crabs. It's just great. So, I'm enjoying Skyrim. (laughs) It just won't end. (laughs) I'd like to play other stuff soon. I don't think it ever ends, technically. It does! No, there is no end to it. There is an no, end. No, there no. is at least a main scenario quest that ends, so I can well, finish yes, that. But then I'm not so there yet. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't forget you gotta do all those side quests. Oh, there's mm-hmm. so many, and it yeah. generates new ones, so you have to know uh-huh. which ones are random and like avoid those if you want to make progress. That's all I got for you. I played Skyrim. <laughs> it doesn't end. People have access. Uh, if people have advice about how to like actually take down the um what is it uh the 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 thieves guild let me know like come hit me up on the rp gamer discord all right i'll let that be hi phil what have you been playing you're never here uh i've been playing this brand new game called kill pog no you fail at it a lot gotta kill pog I don't kill you because you don't have a mount. Apparently, that's what everyone's accusing me of in the tabletops is that I kill their mounts too much. Really? Too often. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to ride a big horse into a dungeon, why wouldn't all the monsters want to kill it? It's squishy. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's really big and it's in their face. So that's a little rude. And let's see. I've been playing War Tales, trying to get through much of that so I can do a write-up on it. It's just been hard with everything else going on. But uh, that's a really, really cool game. It's really kind of taken me by surprise. It's kind of a mix of um, 
kind of it definitely has a, a, a crpg vibe to it um you but you you start off with a band of mercenaries low magic so you're gonna start off with like farmers and the such uh and at first you know even a fight against a couple of bandits can be a struggle but after you get a few fights underneath your belt uh, you start to level up and get some new skills and these aren't like really big huge skills that you see in high-end games you're not going to get big fireballs or molten lava spells or anything along those lines these are just things to help you um, survive a little better Uh, maybe do a sweeping attack with your sword that can get a couple of guys in front of you at once if you're really lucky and yeah as you're going through the world you'll also be talking to people picking up various uh, ingredients that you will use to craft uh, everything from weapons to shields to gear for your camp. And this all seems so mundane, but it's so important and useful for making your party stronger uh, to be able to handle bigger challenges. It's really pretty cool. And probably one of the most compelling pieces of this for me is the combat. Uh, I like to play Pathfinder 2nd Edition for my tabletop game, and part of the reason for that is that the combat is very tactical. Well, well this combat's very tactical as well. Uh, it gives you, uh, when you start off a fight, it's grid-based, turn-based, and you get to place your characters in various positions ar- around the map, so there's some tactical positioning going on at the beginning. And, and then it does initiative, and it'll show you a timeline of who's going first. But instead of showing, like, it'll show you which enemies are going to go first, second, third, and then your characters are kind of interspersed in between. But instead of showing you this character is going to go first and this character is going to go second in your party it just shows an icon for your party you get to choose who's going to be the first person to go and then who's going to go the second person who's going to be the third person this is important because perhaps there's a group of enemies are bunched together you might want to use your archer first uh to get you know her rain of arrows attack in to hit many of them at once while they're still clumped together but Knowing that their enemy archer is about to go next, you might want to rush your tank in there to grab that archer's attention and engage with that person because they can't use their arrow attacks if they're engaged in melee combat. Um, it has this engagement mechanics very uh, when you engage with an enemy, it'll show little icons locking you two together, which means you can't um, separate from that fight without provoking an attack of opportunity which is very cool. So there's definitely a strategy in getting some of your tankier characters in there to tie up some of their more um, damaging characters, especially if you're outnumbered. So there's all these different kind of elements going on, and and, and you want to minimize your losses because if you get wounded, uh, it's very expensive to heal up, especially in the early game. And if you uh, die, (laughs) you're dead. (laughs) So, (laughs) And it can be fun to hire another mercenary Uh, you can hire as many mercenaries as far as i can tell you can hire as many mercenaries as you want you can make your group really big but you do have to pay them every few days so uh you don't want too many of these guys uh so you're also managing inventory with all these different things that you're picking up so that you can craft but there's only so much weight you can carry so maybe you want to buy some more horses to help you carry things around you can actually train the horses and such to fight in battle and certain classes are really good at directing those those beasts in combat there's all these different things you can do and it's really fantastic so far I'm having a really good time with that so i'll continue to play and then eventually get a write-up done on it then i've also been it looks playing. really neat phil yeah I, like i've know, got it streaming on the channel right now it's um not what i expected <laughs> no, no. a lot and, of wandering I, around a map 
with a giant retinue. <laughs> yeah, I guess I didn't explain that part very well. Another draw to it is the exploration. So there is this huge area that you can explore. There's kind of an open nature to it, though there is a main quest line that's always kind of there at the top to remind you you might want to focus on this. Uh, but you can pick up these side quests to flesh out some of the story or what's going on with the people, as well as make extra money, which is very needed in this game. You need all the money you can get. You can just walk around and run into various bandits or warthogs or whatever and uh, tackle them for, you know, warthogs can make into good meat. If you get the bandits, you can tie them up and take them in for re uh, reward, or you could just kill them and steal all their loot. Uh, there, there's definitely a, a fun aspect to just exploring. And there's various skills uh, that you learn as you explore the land, you get um, a form of experience points that's used for buying different skills, be able to cook better recipes or be able to have better exploration skills uh, to reveal more of the map or get into some hard to reach places, uh, unlock new camp uh, mechanics, such as the ability to build a tent so that when your characters rest, uh, they can they can earn more action points for for the fight, which is helpful. Action points are kind of like hero points of Pathfinder. They they are used to, to do really big attacks and special abilities. So there's all these different ways you can go uh, with it. It's very open-ended. And I have a couple of friends who've jumped into it, uh, different types of gamers who've jumped into it and have been pretty positive on the feedback. Are you doing the, which exploration mode are you doing? The one where it levels with you or the one where regions no. have a set level? Yes. That one. All right. right. <laughs> That's what I would do too. The um the game does it have like a apocalypse timer? Like is there a big like if you take too long do things just end and you lose access to things? If it does, it's keeping it very well hidden from me. All right, good. So, I just want to yeah. explore and do all the things. I mean, really, you know, if you the only downside to too much exploring is uh every every day you got to feed your peeps oh, or they lose morale food. and then every three days you have to pay them and the Just more peeps you out. have the more that cost but generally speaking the rewards as long as you are somewhat focused in your exploration the rewards will generally pay for it or you'll make a profit if you're pretty good so you do want to be somewhat focused like if you just go to town and pick up some side quest uh, and do some of those while you're out exploring, you, you'll make enough money to keep your people paid and buy them some food. I really haven't found money or food to really be an issue. Playing it on the default difficulty setting, though, there are the more difficult settings for people who really want Combat to Combat difficulty, survival difficulty, and save mode are all options, which mm -hmm. survival difficulty must affect how much food you need, I assume. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'll turn that down to novice and leave combat as normal and go around and build up the biggest army and destroy everyone. I love it. There you go. <laughs> right? You know, just got to keep paying. Are you liking it or do you want to yeah, still yeah. experience it more? I'm oh. still. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm still plugging through it and stuff and I just haven't had a whole lot of free time. But uh, it, it, every time I do uh, get a chance, it does. If there's one criticism I have so far is that the further and this is kind of a problem with tabletop games in general and this has a lot of um, correlation with tabletop games is that the further you get the slower it gets so your army gets bigger that's more people to manage in a combat things got more life hit points uh, armor points and the such it, it, it can some of those fights can really take some time to get through 
So, and the further you get, the longer it tends to get. Oh, all right. So um, pacing gets to be a bit of a thing later on. I see. Um, the game for folks who are just um, who've lost their attention and forgotten is called War Tales. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll continue to play it because definitely want to see too if that like when you start off early fights you get through fights in like five or ten minutes you're like oh this is a nice crisp risk place pace and then you know after you get to <laughs> you know can you turn the difficulty down stuff. later on when that happens or no maybe i, I didn't really find that difficulty was oh i just figured that would make I mean, the fights take less yeah, time yeah i mean if you yeah if you don't now you don't have to think too much about your turns but then if you do that you kind of get rid of some of what i think is so compelling is the fact that you have to tactically t- think through things mm. um so i i, I don't know we'll, we'll kind of see like i said as long as you're patient maybe you're listening to an audio book while you're doing it um anyways 34.99 on steam right now is cool. it's also kind of a cheaper title so that's pretty good. And then I'm also playing uh, Labyrinth of I, I can't pronounce this word. You want to pronounce Sengetsu. it? Thank you. Sengetsu. I just picked that one up. That's that's not an expensive game. I think that was also like thirty dollars. And I picked it up because it really is basically got these strong uh, wizardry, old school wizardry dungeon crawling bot uh, crawling vibes. But it's got this nice kind of ink, Asian ink painting aesthetic uh, in terms of the artwork with the monsters and the dungeons and the such. It's it's uh, kind of like a Okami in in, the, in that art style, just thick brush strokes uh, and whatnot. So it's a blobber, as we like to call them, right? A first-person perspective dungeon crawler, kind of like Adrian Odyssey. Uh, but as you're going through character creation, if you've been playing these for decades, you will immediately recognize that this is one of those old school ones that are based off of somewhat off the D&D rules. You do have armor class. You do have the six statistics. They are pretty much between uh, three and 20. Uh, and you're going to re-roll how many, and like in true wizardry fashion, uh, old school, uh, you will re-roll how many bonus points you get to start off with when you make your characters. And you want to get high, so you start off with lots of bonus points. And just keep hitting the re-roll button. It's fine. Uh, eventually, you get what you want. And uh, you build a party of six people, three in the front, three in the back. You have your traditional classes, your fighter, your cleric, your rogue, uh, samurai, I think even bishop or sage is in there. Uh, and very, again, very, very wizardry. It's just so wizardry. <laughs> and every time you fight an enemy, I swear like 90% of them, they don't drop loot. They drop treasure chests. They're filled with loot and that you have to try to pick the lock and deactivate the trap things like that it's, it's very much that vibe i think one of the other compelling things for me in looking at some reviews before i picked it up was they mentioned that it is somewhat brief it is only 30 hours and you know wizardry games typically are really huge grind fest uh that easily uh, go for 60 to 80 hours uh, this uh, this game does have a bit of grinding to it the dungeons are not that long but they will ramp up in difficulty pretty quickly uh, at times and i find myself going okay let me go back and just grind a couple more levels out take your time do a lot of fighting grind some levels out the combat's not that deep it is uh again kind of going off that wizardry thing you're going to just attack 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 throw up some spells here and there uh, when you're fighting bosses or tougher creatures uh heal up a little bit in in between uh fights where you lose too many hit points and then go back to town when you need to rest and and recuperate. So rinse and repeat. Uh, but it is old school 
brutal. If someone dies, it costs an arm, leg, and a firstborn to resurrect them. And in true old school fashion, there is a chance that may not work. <laughs> You're wrong. Awesome. Going, right. <laughs> And as far as I can tell, it auto saves all the time. Mm -hmm. So you are not safe scumming that. <laughs> uh, maybe there's a way if you're really quick. Uh, I have not uh, uh, farted around with that too much. I've been uh, pretty fortunate so far. But you want to pay attention to combat and, and pay attention to how much damage you're taking. Uh, I have come close a couple of times. Uh, actually, it did have... I'm trying to remember how a character hit zero, and I don't think they instantly die. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I did have some really tough enemies knocked out in the first round, knocked out my dwarf, and I hit runaway. And we luckily were able to withdraw, and he did not die from that. So you are kind of pressing your luck, though. But it's it's a cute. If you're into old school blobbers, it's thirty dollars. Uh, so far, I'm having a good time with it here and there. Uh, but I'll need to put more time into it before I have a super solid opinion of it myself. So, and that's pretty much it. I want to play Skyrim, but I haven't had time. <laughs> and you need so much sucking. time for it. <laughs> that's what I hear. <laughs> Once you go down never that, ends. That, that pit, you never come back out. No. I'll be playing it forever. So much for Final Fantasy 16 or Diablo 4. I don't get to play those. Just <laughs> Skyrim. Oh, God. What have you been playing, Jason? I actually just started um, Cassette Beasts this week. We talked about that on the podcast before. We and did. it's yeah. really just um, Pokemon with, uh, let's just say, um, really hammering on that, cass or that cassette aesthetic thing. Like, all of the heal items, or I actually think you had nailed it when you had uh, said, like, respooling them was, would be the way to, like, heal them. So like if with, a, with a pencil, uh, right? Yeah. Well, a pencil is a healing item. Yes! And, and you have to respool. They did it! <laughs> um, there's a little respool tool for when your um, monster faints, basically. Okay. So there's two separate things for that. Um, so far, I'm not seeing anything, like, huge that really puts it away from it. You get more than four moves, which is nice, but also kind of maybe overdoes the strategy a little bit. Like I did, I do kind of like um, Pokemon that limits like, okay, you've really got to think about the moves that you're doing and then you can swap them out at any time. As far as the stick, they're stickers, um, your moves that you put on the cassette and that works for that. Uh, catching new monsters kind of works in the same way as Pokemon, except um, you transform. Uh, let me, let me back up here. So when you get into a fight, you go as your human characters and they turn on the cassette and turn into monsters that you have selected um, when you are doing that, you, your monster has a health bar and then your actual person has a health bar. If your person has a health bar, they just become completely incapacitated and can't do anything. Um, so when you want to capture, uh, slash copy them, record them in this one, you actually turn back into your human form and it gives you a percentage of like how likely it is that you're going to capture them. If you, um, are familiar with Pokemon, the lower the hit points are on the monster that you're trying to catch the higher the chances you're going to catch it. It's the same thing with um, cassette beasts. And there's certain types of cassettes that are much like the Pokeballs uh, that will work better on certain types of mo uh, monsters than others. And the only thing with catching it is it leaves you vulnerable because you're in your human form. So if the monster happens to knock you out, of course, that kills your chance of catching the thing. But while you're in the middle of recording the thing, it will... Um, Basically, your other party member um, – so far, I've only got one party member, so I think you can get up to three, but I guess I'll see as things go on. You 
um, that party member can keep attacking. So if the percentage on your um, capture rate isn't that high, you can keep knocking the hit points down. If you knock it all the way down, it won't run away or faint um, in that process. So you have a better chance of catching it that way. So you lower it a little bit and then try to capture it and then have your other um, party member try to knock it out. So it kind of does that. And then it evolves by um, – you get a certain amount of, uh, or you get five stars with it, and if it's capable of evolving, you remaster it into a different monster. Oh, drop yeah. the remix. So, I mean, it's a pretty cool little thing so far. I, I've only played about four hours of it, but um, I've been playing on the Steam Deck, and um, I found when you put it into sleep mode, it continues to keep your play clock, so now it has oh, me at like no. 40-something hours. <laughs> but I know I've only played it for like three or four hours at this point, so it's kind of like, eh, what are we doing here? Yeah, it's multiplayer. I think, oh boy, is there? I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure, sure, it is local. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. I think one of them. I don't know how that works. Oh, I guess you just one of you controls one of the other characters that's following. Yeah, I think along they basically you. Drop, you drop in and just control the partner character. I think. Oh, that's that's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you seem real convinced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Util, good utilization of multiplayer there. Here, you walk around with this character. I mean, it's kind of like. It seems kind of like it would just be like Sonic 2 or like, you know, Tails in Sonic 2. Like, you kind of wander off and then all of a sudden that character is forced into where you are. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so far I'm liking it. The, like I said, the cassette thing is a little like, oh, okay, I don't know how much longer this uh, uh, idea as far as like cute is going to keep going. But I'm enjoying the game so far. Cool. I just really don't like that I am now playing, have played for 40 something hours that really just pees me off when I can't get the actual number down properly because, you know, <laughs> it just registers that you're playing in sleep mode still. And other than that, I really, um, I, I, I did finish watching end of, or uh, not end of, uh, the end or Evangelion rebuild. And boy, um, I feel like the whole thing with that is I feel like this is, um, me when I watched Phantom Menace for the first time. It had been so long since there was anything Star Wars that I sort of convinced myself I liked it. And I kind of feel that way with uh, The Last Rebuild. Like, I think I like this. It's been a long time since there's been a new Evangelion thing. I think maybe I I don't don't know, right? So I kind of feel like maybe watching it one more time to see if I like it. But I don't think it's going to be a yes. It's different, right? It's it's different. That's that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. The first one's the same, the rest very much not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was on, um, I think a couple of weeks ago when I talked about that, like, yeah, that first one does not prepare you at all for the wild turns that the uh, second, third, and fourth ones take. Cool. Maybe not for the better in some instances. Oh, no. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so there, there's that. All right. Alex, what about you? Yeah. Uh, yes, so I think, well, I think just over a week ago, I've made my way through The Legend of Heroes, Trails to Azure. So I am basically now ready for Trails into Reverie. When that gets here in June, I think it's June. Okay. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a couple of weeks beside Final Fantasy 16, so that's going to be fun to try and Yeah, good luck around. on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You got this, Alec. You're a machine, man. Yeah, I think that's going to be a pick one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, February is July. But yeah, I think this, 
Yeah, so Chess Azure, it's the second game in the Crossbell saga. It's sort of the one that the two games that we sort of almost gave up on expecting to come out in the West until basically the Geofront did their fan translation and then that translation got picked up by OS America. But I'm really glad they came over now. I was sort of I felt I could get by without them but after having played it they really do sell how crossbell is like a really important part of the city and it really does make it tie in properly to when um trails of cold steel three and four go in and sort of leads into reverie which i think is basically uh acts as an epilogue to both the crossbell games and the cold steel games so of course that it has the usual legend of heroes issues and that basically it takes a little while to actually no. get going properly. And no! Suck, yeah, <laughs> and suck players into, but once you actually do get sucked into it, then it's just readily... Yeah, okay, I'm fully invested now, and... I think that's just a Falcon game thing in general. <laughs> well, I think it's it's more obvious in the Legend of Heroes games rather than the East. <laughs> yeah, yeah. East at least has a bit of action going on while Charles just... Okay, lots of setup time. But yeah, but no, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. If you're a Legend of Heroes fan, then you absolutely should check out the Crossbell games. They aren't, they fortunately aren't as long as Cold Steel 3 and 4 were. I think they're, they're both about 60 hours. So, although you could do that, you could do that quicker if you don't talk to everyone after every single event, but that's how you should play Trails games. Uh... Yeah, yeah so I gave up on doing that in the first one because <laughs> it was taking yeah. too long. It does. Well, that's the the advantages are really happy that is they've got high speed mode. Yeah, without without that, that would definitely be a a trial. Anyway, so I've, fortunately I, I managed to finish there, that. Alex. Yeah. <laughs> fortunately, I managed to finish that just in time for uh, Xenoblade Chronicles threes. Future Redeemed DLC to come this out. This can't be good, right? Is it good? Oh, it's incredibly good. How is that possible? <laughs> it's not. It's, e- it, it doesn't even take place after the end of the third game. What? What, what in the world? What? Yeah. Okay. So there's a few things to for Future Redeemed. The first one is that basically it's a game for fans of the entire series. It basically ties it very much is a tie together of all three games the difficulty of sort of trying to explain how that works with it taking place before Xenoblade Chronicles 3 um, <laughs> without spoiling anything is very hard but it it sort of explains a lot about um, well actually that's not, that's not quite right it acts as a really sort of good connection into how Xenoblade Chronicles 3 ties in more with uh, 1 and 2 than 3 does, and the, the depths of the connections are very are very deep, and which is sort of why it's basically you have to be a fan of pretty much all three all three games. You can sort of get away with not being as much in one of them, but you sort of have to know what happened, and especially sort of the endings of 1 and 2, you really need to know a lot about. Yeah, I mean, playing wise, it basically plays very similar to Xenoblade Chronicles 3. I mean, the, the combat's basically the same, but without 
you don't have the sort of class system as basically the characters are just their set classes. You don't have the Ouroboros links, but you sort of get a skill system that does something slightly similar to it. I'm seeing two characters here from previous games in this party yeah. list that I I like seeing yes. them old. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> well, thankfully, if you want to get into this, um, you know, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 1 and 2 are, no, are pretty short games. No, no, so I watched the video. Get into I watched get the into video for 1 and 2, <laughs> then I played 3, I had a great time, I didn't feel a need for any more explanation of past stuff, and what did they do with the DLC? Explanation of past stuff. So I don't know if the DLC is for it's, me. It seems like well, it's not. I, I'm not sure it actually is an explanation of past stuff more than it's just some extra connecting tissue between them. Mm-hmm. It, it 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 almost is fan service. Mm-hmm. You've got fan. It's just incredibly well executed fan service. That's about it. I mean, the character interactions. There are more connections there than there are at first apparent. That's obviously what, and there are more connections to games than you might expect as well. But it's very tough. There's there's some things that you sort of will be sort of were missing in three that appear here. So I'll answer a few questions on that. But again, it's still it's still largely emotional fan service for series fans, and it's but it's incredibly good fan service. So. There's an argument that sort of the things it did could have been the mainline Xenoblade Chronicles 3, but I think yeah. the way Monolith Soft did it works really well because 3 you can take as its own game and you don't have to rely on it. While with this, you have to rely on you, it, does rely on having played Xenoblade 1 and Xenoblade 2. So it's it's not a special long experience, it's, a, it's only about 20 hours, which obviously that's comparing. Comparing it to Xenoblade games, so it's only twenty hours. Yep, that's freaking short. <laughs> I was say, that's, uh, that's borderline brisk. Well, it's it, it's sort of similar length to uh, Future Connected, which is the Xenoblade One stuff they added for the Infinite Collection. I think that's actually a bit shorter than this, and as well as the Torna prequel they did for Xenoblade Two. So those were both about twenty twenty hours or so. So it sort of ties it ties in with those links. But again, I thoroughly enjoyed it, but I'm a serious fan, so I was always going to enjoy it, and I really appreciate sort of all the. Do they have new crazy music, or are they just using the same awesome music oh, from there, three? Oh, there's there's a bunch of there's a bunch of new music. There's a bunch of returning music, and lots of oh, oh, sort of shouting, chanting stuff. I hope. Um, no, I think I'm trying to remember how much of it there was. I think there's a, oh, there's man, a, there's the a Mobius fights it's were it's so all... good with the music, and then you yeah. have the YouTube videos with the cats singing it, and it was like, yes. Do you know yeah, if um, it's, it's do you know if Mitsuda did the soundtrack for this too? Yeah, is the leads in the soundtrack? There's a bunch of composers that are in it, but yeah, yeah, it's not just him. I don't think. But yeah, it's got a bunch. It's got a bunch of uh, a bunch more <laughs> epic music in this, don't I? All right, Chris, I like the cat. It, it, it's <laughs> so good. 
It's, it's, it's he's got a whole good. series of these. There's, okay. They, and they escalate. They just get crazier well, and crazier. I know what I'm doing this afternoon. Yeah. Now, <laughs> Hell yeah, man. <laughs> Go to YouTube and just search for Mobius Battle Theme Cats. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, future themes absolutely recommended. I'd like to talk about a bunch of stuff, but you it's can't because it's Xenoblade. That's all, how this works. All, yeah, it's all incredibly spoilery. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to play this because I don't have all the appreciation for every nuance of the previous two games. Yeah, and I don't I, want I mean, more connective tissue. I want new. I mm, that ending of three made me so sad. I want new stuff <laughs> and that's not what they're doing here <laughs> oh yeah I mean, yeah this is basically just a, a final cap across the across the trilogy yeah it's, it's sort of de- designed that like this way and it sort of gives them the opportunity going on to do something else good do something new but yeah i mean yeah it's not something you have to play to get the full story of three the story of three is perfectly fine on its own Hey, and if you haven't played like, 3, by the way, it's pretty good. Watch a video that sums up 1 and 2 and then jump into 3. Actually, you don't even need to, technically. Um, because no, the 1 don't. and 2 stuff doesn't really hit until the very end of the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the way it impacts it is actually kind of explained in-game. In-game, or, yeah. Or the, the actual detail you need to know what's mm-hmm. happening is mm-hmm. in-game. Yeah. It's good, I've though. Oh, the boss themes are so good in 3. I got tired of the battle system, though. Eventually, I just had to say, all right, I'm finishing this. Cause, yeah. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> but it was a fun ride. Oh, Okay. Anything else? Um, I think just a quick one, because I've started Ash of Gods The Way, which is a sort of tactical deck builder on PC and Switch, I believe it's also on. But that's... It's got it's got sort of a similar style to or graphical style to um a series I can't remember. It's going to annoy me. It's the one about the one about Vikings. <laughs> me. The one about Vikings. Northgard Assassin's Creed, Ragnarok. No. No. <laughs> okay. Just trying to think. But anyway, it's sort of a couple of you basically you're in Ash of Gods the Way. Oh wait, that's yes, what you're that's, playing. That's Ash of Gods playing. Redemption. <laughs> that's a sequel to it. Okay. Yeah, uh, Banner Saga. Banner Saga is the word. Banner Saga. Oh, oh right, because right, right, the animation's right. got that. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's got, right. it's got that sort of. Yeah. It's got that yeah. sort of look to it. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one. But anyway, so this game is based largely revolves around a sort of card game where you have um, various lanes on the battlefield. So you usually pl- you usually play sort of one character each turn, and then they'll basically walk forward and sort of encounter the enemies and do that, and your basically goal is to try and defeat the commander. But what it likes to do is basically set up different, uh, either different battlefields, different rules, or different sort of encounters that you have to sort of take into account when you do it so every battle is somewhat different and you have to sort of either adapt your deck or your play starters to take into account those differences as you come across them some things you won't actually know 
know about until you trigger them midway through the battle. So it, it's definitely interesting. It's definitely one for people who like sort of strategic thinking and sort of having to deal with restrictions and rules as they come up, as well as to create decks that sort of work work together and things. So we'll see how that goes. I'm still quite early into it. This looks really complicated. Am I missing something? Yeah, I mean, um, this, this seems it, like the... Go, go ahead, Alex. Sorry. Yeah, it, it walks you into it fair so far, so I've basically been going through a lot of tutorial stuff as it sort of introduces all its mechanics to you, so usually, usually each battle will, at the start, will at least work towards a specific... So what am I building? Is there progression? Am I building up characters? Building up a deck? It's it's deck building. So you, you are building up multiple multiple decks okay. based on cards that you pick up. Because it you... looks like all my folks are just going to keep dying. Like so. Yeah, I mean, they will count as cards. So basically you get, okay. you get the full deck each time. You can all upgrade right. cards, buy cards, and you, you win cards when, with victories and so forth. So yeah, it's, it's full deck building. You don't actually have specific specific units they are just cards that you play okay yeah this looks either like i'm going to love this or i'm going to hate it i don't know <laughs> if i if like i kind of grok onto the battle system i think i'd probably end up loving this thing but then it might be overly complicated for my dumb dumb head so yeah it's got a nice variety of difficulty settings so i think i've, I've played around with it a bit the easy one you can sort you can quite easily just get through if you want to see sort of the story stuff and blast through a battle that you don't like. Did you happen to play the first or whatever, like the the other Ash of Gods? I didn't. I think Dark that game? was more a outright yeah, tactical RPG, tactical RPG kind of more. If I remember correctly, I think it might so. be turn based. But it, I think uh, I picked it up on sale at some point and just you know never played yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that 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 one's more of an outright RPG. This one is more of a card de- a deck builder. Okay. Okay. Yep. But yeah, that's me all done. Cool. Well, let's start feedback. We had a question last week, which was, "What's your first RPG memory?" And Shaman wrote in and said, "Hey, my first RPG memory was getting an NES when I was five, along with Zelda Two, and not knowing why I kept losing points each time I leveled up one of his stats. I also got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at the same time, which makes me wonder how I still enjoy video games today." Jeezel, yeah, that's enough to make anybody I think kind of back out. Oh, the underwater mines—they're just delightful. I don't. I remember beating that level once and feeling so good, and then I died on the next level, and I never wanted yeah. to play it again. Yeah, yeah. There was never. a part where you had to like throw a rope or something across a building on the next I, like cares? stage or whatever. I, I, I don't was know. Like I, I, I got to that stage once. I don't remember. I had one life left. It didn't matter, and I didn't want to do the mines again. So, nope. <laughs> I was done. Now you can safe state the shit out of it. You can, and like, um, there. Did they fix it in that re-release of all the old Turtles games? Or no? No, I don't know. Yeah, in the Cowabunga collection. Because, yeah, like, I, I apparently know. the level was broken because it was poorly programmed, right? It, it was The hitboxes were wrong. So, like, I wonder if, like, a fixed version just makes it so much better. I really Though, honestly, I doubt... Th- well, even if they did, it was the swimming that sucked. I don't even yeah. care about the hitboxes. Obviously, that sucked, too, because you did all this horrible swimming and then died, even though it was unfair. 
But like, I didn't want to do a swimming anyway. So, uh. <laughs> I mean, we all know those uh, moments in the Ninja Turtles uh, cartoons and uh, and comics where they're swimming, and that's your favorite part of it. Right? They can swim. I, I will tell you though, what I really liked about that game was the fact that you were managing these four turtles. So, and each one was better. Some well. So Don Tello was the best, let's be honest. He had the freaking yeah. staff that yeah. could reach halfway across the freaking board. And then Raphael was near useless because his sigh had no reach. Mm-hmm. So, but you yeah, had to manage. The, oh, crap. I'm out of turtles. Turtle. <laughs> right. Well, I would actually use Raphael first because I figure if someone's going to lose their health quick, it's going to be him. And then I would pull out. You know, Donatello, when I need to hit those enemies way up there, Leonardo, when I was facing something a bit more challenging, that was going to be kind of jumping around because he had such big wide. But it was fun managing those their health pools like resources. Uh, I, I did like that part of it. But, yes, the swimming, the swimming was really not they not fun. And some of the platforming and the jumping in there was just instant death and totally not fun. It's so much more fun nowadays being able to play those games with the instant rewind function. <laughs> There's got to be like a ROM hack that just cuts level two out, right? You know, you just get through it once, you know, save scum it or, it, yeah. or rewind or, or it. And then, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've gotten through. That My problem is times, I don't want to. I, like even with I, I hate that level so much. I don't want to do it again, even with safe states. I did. Uh, I, I always would. I played it so much as a as a as a kid. It was so it was I would always get to the Technodrome and that's where it just got so brutal. never saw it. Oh, my gosh. Brutal. No idea. I got to watch a playthrough like a. I need to find a. I don't need this in my life, actually. But the idea was go to YouTube and find an annotated playthrough where they talk through like all the interesting stuff while playing through it. But uh, yeah, whatever interesting stuff there is to talk about with TMNT and the NES. Like, here's how this level's supposed to work. <laughs> all right. Platinum through completely. Yeah. <laughs> Platinum 3 says awesome show last week Dungeon Travelers 2 Might and Magic Clash of Heroes Jack Devereaux and Days of Our Lives and Chris's My Heart Will Go On but the podcast is over line perfection first RPG was on the Commodore 64 Temple of Apshi many great hours spent with my buddy Dave doing this game two player with one of us controlling the movement and the other hitting attack or arrow keys nice my first console JRPG was the original Dragon Warrior that I got for free just months after all my friends because my grandmother got my Nintendo Power subscription sent to her house to surprise me at Christmas. The rest is podcasting history. A lot of people got Dragon Warrior for free with Nintendo Power. Not me, because I was subscribed before that promotion. Same here. Yay. Yeah, I got <laughs> Strawberry Egg says, I know I told this story before, but I may as well recount it again. The first RPG I ever played was Pokemon. I already became a fan of the anime, and I got the Game Boy game for my 12th birthday. When I played it for the first time, I could not figure out how to leave the house. I gave the game to my (laughs) sister, and she walked right out. I guess I just didn't realize what that rectangle on the floor was. I think Pokemon probably like introduced RPGs to a whole generation. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, I, so Pokemon is interesting. Nintendo power is how I heard about Pokemon first. And I knew like, Oh, this is a popular game in Japan. And so when it came out, I picked it up because otherwise they never would have. Cause one, it was on the game boy and I hated game boy games at the time. Cause they're so slow and black and white and hard to see. And it's like not a good experience, but yeah. I had heard such good things in Nintendo power about pocket monsters now pokemon when it came over here and i was like oh i'll give it a try and it was like yeah this is good then i lost a copy 
So then I bought a new copy with a poke with a yellow Pikachu and um edition Game Boy, and then I lost that too. Oh good um, grief. <laughs> I don't think I ever beat the first game. Because after that I didn't rebuy it again. I still say the bravest thing I've ever done in my life is I went to uh the high school that was in a not great place and uh I uh, dared bring out my Game Boy Pocket and played Pokemon. I was like, no, no, I'll stuff myself in my locker. Thanks. But it's a Game Boy Pocket. That made the Game Boy usable, finally. It was the (laughs) first Game Boy you could see. You still needed external light, but you could see it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have that uh, smearing thing anytime you moved or anything on screen moved. It wasn't as green. Yeah, yeah. Just the contrast was way better. All right. Tracer 3 says, I remember going to a friend's house and seeing the Dragon Warrior NES game at his house. We played it for a while, but did not get very far. We started to understand it after some kids in class explained what to do. I believe they got the information from the Nintendo Power issue featuring Dragon Warrior. Nintendo Nintendo knowing how to do marketing. They did a good job. Well, yeah, they did. And just never caught. Yeah, my first RPG was Final Fantasy. Um, I don't remember how I got a copy of it. Either my friend Dan had it, and then I got my own for like Christmas or something, or my parents just got it for me. Um, and Final Fantasy One, it had that giant map, and like the enemies on the back of the map, like. And I think I still have like what remains of that piece of paper downstairs because it <laughs> didn't survive very well over the years. <laughs> And yeah, and then um, I wanted Nintendo Power to help me with it, but they sold it as a separate strategy guide, and I couldn't buy that. I was too young. <laughs> so Didn't have your own money back then. Uh, my dad got into Legend of Zelda, and then I got into Legend of Zelda, and then I was standing around playing Legend of Zelda and accidentally kicked the machine while playing Legend of Zelda, which Ooh. reset all the saves on Legend of Zelda, because though NES cartridges were so fragile with their save data. It was mm-hmm. stupid. <sighs> it's weird. It's like I, I went and played the original Legend of Zelda on um on my NES on a CRT like two years ago, and the battery still works perfectly. Well, it's the same battery from that thing. It'll just... probably work better if you replace it. I think if you tried to do a full playthrough, well, you know, I don't know. I I'm, I did. I got through the whole. You game got through the whole thing. It All was right, still. It was it. still. It still had save files on. Batteries there from are years weird, ago. man. Those chemical reactions in there are weird. Yeah, they either they were supposed to last like what five years or something. Yeah, like, like that? the chemicals run out. Like yeah. th- this is not and, an infinite power thing. Yeah, and they're and not rechargeable, so those reactions are not reversible. It can't get charged back. So you were just eking out just enough electrons to keep that capacitor alive to keep your save yeah. data going and you know yeah, all right <laughs> plus years now i'm that same damn battery on that same cart that i got <laughs> placing them is not hard uh the hard thing is finding the screw bit to open the cartridge but that you can get those in billion places now but yeah anyway yeah, yeah um i remember taking a cartridge to a, an authorized repair center oh yeah um, one of it, those, huh? which was just a local electronics repair place that you know, they had the right bits from Nintendo to open the things. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they did it, like, right in front of me. It's like, oh, oh, oh boop, 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 new battery, boom, closed, done. It's like, oh, is that it? <laughs> this is what we needed an authorized con- repair center for? Is to open it up and put in a new battery? I thought this was going to be complicated. It's like, nope. <laughs> All right. Oh, Anime set Man says, my first RPG memory was my father bringing home Dragon Warrior for, oh my gosh, Dragon Warrior, for the NES after a deployment he had to Cuba while he was in the Navy. Okay. Oh, Alex, you had one. Oh, yes. You want to tell us it? 
Uh, it's a fairly quick one. So I played. I think I played Pokemon and like Azure Dreams, the Game Boy Color version. Prior to Wasn't this, that a PlayStation the, game? It was, but there was a Game Boy it, Color version. Oh, ew! Yes. I know. I remember really liking the Game Boy Color version. I think I never played the PlayStation version, but I think it basically just eliminated the relationship stuff and some of the town building. Miss Diana tried to get me into the PlayStation one. And I was like, I don't like this. Why don't I like this? It turns out it's a roguelike and I wasn't into roguelikes then. And I should go back and try it now. Oof. Yeah. I mean, I've not been into roguelikes since I played it, but I remember enjoying it. So I don't know what that means, but anyway, I think so it means first... you need to play, um, Pokemon rescue team or whatever it's called. The rescue squad games. You might like yeah. those. Well, I think my RPG taste sort of got influenced in a different <laughs> Did you almost say better? <laughs> well, I don't influenced. know. Yet, right, sort of, right. they, they went influenced is the correct word. Right, but the right. first sort of real RPG memories I have is playing Golden Sun. Ah, good music on that one. I never played the, the other two in Golden Sun, or I guess the other three. Um... Is it worth finishing, or is it the other two? I forget how it is. Other two, because there's other yeah, two. So there's the, the sequel GBA and then, the, one and then okay. the DS one. All right, I didn't play those. Are they, is it worth it? Because I'll be honest with you, I could I could barely follow the story in the first one. So I had started playing the DS one, and it just talked a lot, and I it kind of turned me off. Like it just did not yeah, want to shut recommend, up. I recommend the Lost Age, which is the second. Game Boy Advance one over the third one. It I enjoyed it, but it's not. It didn't quite have the same appeal that the first two did. Mm. I'm just wondering if there's like, if I go and relearn the story of the first one and play two and three, is there good story payoff or no? You know, I mean, you play as the kid. I think of the main hero from the first two games. If mm-hmm. I'm remembering right. Sure. Yep. So, oh, hair fry. Like really Lost Age payoff. is a puzzle fest. That's right. Golden Age liked its puzzles. Yeah, well, I, I enjoyed that element of it. So, that's... yeah, they got there's so many, so many puzzles and then plot. And you're like, I don't remember what you're talking about. Is that the name of somebody we met earlier? I don't remember that person. <laughs> I'll be honest, I can't remember the specific plots. I just remember bits and bits and pieces now. Yeah, all right. I'm, I'll hold out for the anime. <laughs> Might be a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, it's time for news. Right, update my little thing. Thank you, Phil. I appreciate that. <clears throat> Coming in first today, Dragon Quest X Offline first expansion has been detailed. Square Enix provided new details and screenshots for its first expansion of Dragon Quest X Offline. All right, what do we got? The Sleeping Hero and the Guiding Ally. It's based on the same first expansion as the original Dragon Quest X. All right, so Dragon Quest X expansion stuff. The details are out. We're still not getting it here. We're never getting it here. No, we're not. They've had it since September of 2022 in Japan. We're not getting it here. The first expansion will be out in May in Japan. May 26th. No, they're waiting until all the expansions are out. Then we're going to get it. We're never that's getting it. Here. That's what, <laughs> yeah, no, you're we're right. Never getting it. No, I'm not, not sure I care anymore. Honestly, this I'm, game I'm ages kind of more and you. more every time I look at it. And it's like, yeah, you know what? I'm good. I don't need to see me's doing Dragon Quest. Yeah. 
And I mean, and to be fair, it's not like Dragon Quest has ever been like a top tier graphical prowess and oh, anything either. Don't so. tell me that. And then, then I want to say it and I don't want to, I'm good. I just, you know I what, need Chris? to come to terms with Skyrim. this. You've I've got, got Skyrim. Skyrim. I'm not allowed to play other games. Good point. There you go. See? Like Final Fantasy 16, which has got new Japanese gameplay videos and a soundtrack release. That's right. You can buy the soundtrack already? Oh, you will be able to buy it in July, and they're like showing it on their, their store. You can pre-order it now. Standard Edition has for shipping. seven CDs for 65 bucks. Ultimate Edition has eight CDs for $83. Both the pre-orders include a mini clear file and an original sticky note. A clear file. Oh, so it's like a folder? What's a, what's a clear file? Yeah, it's a folder. Okay. A folder? No, a folder, not a cup holder, Anna. Oh, all right. Like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Why, why are there two the versions? Like, what, what? Why would you cut out two CDs worth of tracks and the... It's a soundtrack. It should have all the tracks. I'm um, so confused. Because that's how they make more money. Uh, yeah. I can't remember what they said was on the eighth track, but it's still one It's one CD less than the Xenoblade 3 soundtrack, which is nine CDs. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that big box set? No, the big box set is 20 CDs. Oh, right, What? Right, right. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. That, well, but, but to be fair, that is for all three games. I yeah. don't have that soundtrack. I should get that soundtrack. How much is it? Um, it might be. It was about uh, oh no, hundred and twenty pounds when I ordered it. I yeah, think. it sounds right. You know, Blade. Uh, you, it might, it might not be available set? to pre-order now because they ended the guarantee pre-orders at the end of April. Yeah, sure. You have you have to do it through the um, Mitsuda's music labels. Yeah. Website. Yeah, I saw him tweet about that the other day. And I was like, holy crap, how many CDs? All right. Well, how about just the three? Since that's the game I played. How much is that? Procyon Store. Is that his? Must be. Yes. Uh, Xenoblade 3 original. That also ended on April 30th. Okay, cool. Sold out. Um, well, that was a limited edition because that had the uh, flute replicas as well. I don't want flutes. Here we go. Trinity Box Set Limited Edition. Comes in the three computer cores case. Um, if you don't know what that means, don't worry about it. 200 bucks, or I guess less than that now, because the exchange rate. But still, where's like a regular version? Can I just, just get like a... prepared for is $200 there a, with the shipping. Is there a regular version? I only see the... Um, there, sure not there here, is. there isn't. <laughs> if there is, it isn't here. <laughs> yeah. The regular uh, version might be sold sort of more generally like the other is it the other two soundtracks were it just just tell me xeno blade three soundtrack purchase do i have to go to cd japan is that my problem here oh cd japan you're so good you, you, you take good care of me sony music is publishing xenoblade chronicles 3 original soundtrack for 59 dollars on play asia um nine discs yep it's a lot of mitsuda man nine is there a digital version of this? I don't need pens. Fifty nine dollars. Uh, I don't think they do. For... If you want to spend an afternoon downloading it, you can do it off of uh, uh, KH uh, hey, Insider. Hey, hey, <laughs> not here. We don't do that here. Why? Why? What are we talking about? <laughs> we don't want the site to get shut down because people can't 
keep that stuff to themselves. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally <laughs> Some other time. Site. <laughs> Do that on your own time. No piracy okay. on the site. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. I'm sorry. I'm searching Apple Music right now just to see if Apple Music or... Hello. Hello. Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is available for sale. Yeah, I don't think it releases until like the start of August, so it probably won't be. Xenoblade Chronicles 3 soundtrack wouldn't release till the start of August? Yeah, well, that's when all the um, CD boxes are shipping. Oh, really? These one- Oh, oh, it's not out yet. They were waiting to include the um, expansion content, weren't they? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes, those are, those are included, yep. I prefer that over Final Fantasy XIV's version of, let's just have seven different releases of soundtracks for one expansion. Yeah, that's why I I'm, ex- gave I'm up exaggerating on, a little. I'm trying to get that yeah. 14 oh, it, vinyl it, box. Set. So it's I like, didn't. Here, oh, I didn't get the vinyl, but I do buy a lot of the 14 soundtracks because I like the idea of having them lossless yeah. on Blu-ray because I'm a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I always buy. I always buy the big ones. I don't often bother with the small ones. Or I, I pick and choose. As long ones. as that, if it's tracks you, if it's unique tracks that you can't get on other collections, I do. And then sometimes they do include them later, and that bugs me. And yeah, there's like an art to buying the 14 soundtracks. You have to like figure out like, is this a compilation of things from other ones? Okay, skip this. Is this a straight up like it's got the cool artwork? Probably a good one to buy. <laughs> it's got like the, the black case with just like a single color and like artwork from that expansion. You're probably good and there'll probably be two per expansion. Oh, why is it so hard? All right, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 soundtrack. That's here. Can I? Can I just play it on Apple Music, or is it is it? No, I think you have to buy. Do I have Unless to buy? you have to either buy or have a subscription to something. Well, I have a subscription to Apple Music. That's my question. Um, all right, well, I'll check that out later because apparently this computer is not signed into my Apple Music yet, so can't check that accurate. Okay, um, that makes me happy though. So um, I'm starting to learn that I don't need to buy all the soundtracks now that I spend all this money on music subscriptions i should just use them but then you don't actually own the music and then oh man music's subscription subscriptions it's suck. complicated subscriptions yeah, complicated. suck and are great at the same time they have downsides and being human is to be anxious and so all i do is think about what could go wrong instead of enjoying what i have mm-hmm. while i'm alive because it doesn't matter that I have a copy of the Xenoblade 3 Chronicles soundtrack 20 years from now. I may be into it at that point. And if I really am in such a way that it matters, I'll go track it down and spend a bunch of money on it. But also, it probably won't matter, and I shouldn't give a crap. Also, YouTube has all these songs up, and I could just hit play whenever I want. Mm-hmm. A little <sighs> bit of compression, but it's not I, I horrid. I, yeah, but also... For the hit that I want at that time, where it's just mm-hmm. going, the, the cat's going, oh, oh, oh. I, it, I, that's <laughs> it all I need. I don't yeah, care yeah. about the compression at that point. Nope. I get you. I get you. See, yeah, add some sort of like, uh, you know, flourish visually to it. And it's like, eh, you know, the compression I don't even notice now. Good. Yeah. Oh, right. Final Fantasy 16. So they, <laughs> there's some, some <laughs> Japanese right. uh, videos you can watch. We've got them linked on the story page. Um, and if you don't care, then don't worry about it. And, um, I, I'm on a media blackout at this point. Like I've seen the the first trailer was enough for me to be sold on this game. And then I've seen like other trailers start like when I've, 
you know, many, many months later, they put out a new trailer and I start watching it like, no, I'm still in on this. And I stop. I don't even finish the trailer. It's like, I just want to experience it in the game. So I'm good there. All right. Next story, survival action RPG and Shrouded has been announced from developer Keen Games. It's a game that sees one to 16 players attempting to survive in a vast abandoned realm. Okay, so this is one of those multiplayer survival open type things, right? All right, there's crafting and gathering and hunting. It's Valheim, but is it Valheim? Yeah, (laughs) is it just pretty Valheim? Like, because Valheim is pretty good. (laughs) I'll be honest. I should finish Valheim. I just wish it was prettier. Uh, well, oh, wait, all right. So I guess it does access. matter. I'm still waiting for it to be completely done before I dive head before you dive into in, it. Yeah. And when is this? Is this even? Oh, this is going to be in early access as well. So it's just been announced. It'll be in early access and it'll be in there for forever. They'll make all the yep. money and they'll never even go. Let 1. me know 0. when it's actually done. Yeah, um, never will be. Yeah, zero interest until mm-hmm. these games are done. It'll come out just after Dragon Quest Ten. There we go. Hey, this was a big one. There's a giant MMO announced this week. Well, it's not. it wasn't announced this week. It was announced like a couple of years ago. But this is a, a giant trailer actually showing gameplay and stuff. It's called Chrono Odyssey. And this game has everything. <laughs> it's a Korean MMO company. Um, so we don't know if it's going to be free to play or not yet. But you can walk around a city ride a horse go around the landscape all your standard mmo stuff we've got other players we've got crafting we've got giant raid battles in the middle of like zones with like a bazillion other people the combat looks visceral um it is kind of potentially it's action combat so it could be potentially a little spammy as these games tend to get but it looks flashy the graphics look great it's it's uh yeah giant monsters it's like put who put monster hunter in my mmo and thank you for doing it because now i want to play it so um i don't i'm i'm very hopeful about this game except i assume it will be free to play and microtransactioned out the butt so um until we hear more i have to just be cautiously optimistic because it'll probably go in a real negative monetization way eventually but uh, from what we're seeing now in this trailer, I think it looks pretty good. A little bit dark in some ways. So if you're not looking, if you're looking for just like a happy-go-lucky Final Fantasy XIV style MMO, this might not be for you. But the it does look like it combines moments of dark with moments of not dark and being out in the open and fighting things and green grass, greeny type things. But uh, the story looks a bit a little like dealing with demons and time manipulation as well. So. What do you think? Are you guys interested in new MMOs at all? Or are y'all done with MMOs? So done. So done. It just looks nice, but then it I see the combat and I'm kinda like, oh boy, this is this gonna be sort of like Dark Soulsy combat? No, I think it looks more like New World or um uh Elder Scrolls to me for combat. So Okay. Lots of action, just press button. But not like pressing, uh, as opposed to WoW, where you press a toolbar and wait for a cooldown to end. This m- looks more like more dodge and stuff, and then foom, 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 dodge, foom, 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 foom. But not punishing like Dark Souls. But who knows? It's hard to tell because they didn't have the UI on the screen. <laughs> well, yeah, but then if they did, they, you wouldn't be able to like see all the pretty graphics and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. 
Also, uh, this is going to come out for PC, PS5, and Xbox Series consoles, but we don't know when. Originally, they were planning 2023. Um, since we're just getting a trailer in 2023 and no dates, uh, I'm doubting it'll fell through. <laughs> I'm going to assume we're not getting it this year. But uh, yeah, that was the big news in the MMO space this week, from what I could tell. So, Phil, what's this new Pathfinder game? Do you know anything about it? Oh yeah, yeah. We we call this the great disappointment. Oh no! Why is it disappointing? Oh, yes. Well, so there was an announcement that you know Paizo had a new partner to make some new video games, and most of us in the Pathfinder circles love you know Keymaker and Wrath of the Righteous mm-hmm. uh, by Alcat Games. Now we know Alcat have moved on, uh, so this is going to have they to made new videos. What did they move on to? They Warhammer. are they are working on Rogue Trader, right? Or Hammer Forty Thousand. I should know so that because I backed it. <laughs> I backed it. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty excited about that one. I think they're going to do really good with that. So I'm looking forward to that. Even though I'm not, I didn't really feel like that was a move on. I just thought they were doing a Warhammer one, and maybe they do another Pathfinder one later. But yeah, well, I mean, maybe they move back after they move. I on. mean, if it's one team, you can't do two games too well. So okay, yeah, well, whatever. Know. Yeah. So. Then, then, uh, yeah, then, um, then, then we heard the Com Studios was their new partner, which, you know, I, I don't think they've done a whole lot of great things in the past, but whatever. I don't know anything they've done. Do you? The uh, most recent one is Sunday Gold. Yeah. Okay. Which yep, is yep. a very different game. <laughs> very different. So, it, so, anyways, uh, then, then we heard it was Pathfinder Abomination Vaults, uh, and we were talking about this in our Discord that I have for our tabletops, and that's exciting because Abomination Vaults is one of the weaker adventure paths. For those who don't know, adventure paths are Paizo's pre-written adventure campaigns, usually epic campaigns uh, that you run for your table. They're you know, pre-written deals. Well, but Pathfinder Abomination Vaults is known as one of the weakest because it's a huge dungeon crawl, and people who kind of experienced it on the tabletop feel like it's it's a little shallow in, in, in terms of it doesn't have a lot of RP and the such, and it gets to feel a bit grindy. But when you put this in the context of a video game, then, then you know we're thinking like Wrath of the Righteous or something that that would be pretty cool. Wrath of the Righteous is pretty fun, but you know one of the things that kind of holds it back for some people is all of the extra stuff they fluff that they throw in there, like kingdom management and um, kingdom building and the such. So if you uh, crusader battles, if you take that out, you just give us straight up dungeon crawls. Uh, that that to some of us, especially tactical, we're like, yay! And it's Pathfinder Second Edition, and we would just love to see Second Edition, you know, brought to, to brought to life. Uh, those earlier video games were First Edition. Second Edition has so many improvements, so we're all super excited. And then, like it was like a day or two later, they announced that, oh yeah, this is going to be a hack and slash game, kind of like Diablo, cooperative, dealy, a uh, hack and slash. And we're like, oh, the groans, the groans. Because yeah, you're not obviously you're not going to experience well, Diablo any of the is a set. quintessential dungeon crawl. <laughs> I know, right? So you're it makes sense. <laughs> you're obviously not going to get to experience any of the really cool second edition rules, the three action combat system, no, or anything yeah. along those lines with a with a hack and slash. So and and honestly, that field right now is pretty crowded with some high quality titles like Diablo 4 coming out and the such. So you better be doing something really darn mind blowing. And their selling point here is like we're going to bring if you I mean I watched the, the their little trailer video and stuff and they're like we're looking forward to bringing, you know, the world of Galarian to life. Galarian is the is the setting 
for the Pathfinder tabletop uh, gaming system. And there's a lot that I love about Galarian. But see, the problem is you've picked Abomination Vaults, which, as I mentioned before, is one of the worst adventure paths for actually telling a story. It's a dungeon crawl. It's not going to let you really get a deep dive into the people of Galarian. You're not even in the world most of the time, it looks like. Yeah, yeah. So there's some, there's definitely some disappointments there. I mean, we'll have to wait and see, of course, but my expectations right now have been suitably set pretty damn low. (laughs) All right, well... I'll say uh, another Diablo-style game is always welcome, and if they make a good one, that'll be nice, Um, and we'll have to see what they do with it. But if you were looking for another Wrath of the Righteous or Kingmaker, well, this is not it. That's too bad. Yeah, I mean, I kind of think like uh, like I t- did somewhat enjoy the old when you think about the PlayStation Two D and D titles, oh, you know, Father's Gate yeah. and the such. Mm-hmm. You know, they're good for like a single run through, yes. and then you're just done. They're, you're not going to like really Diablo. Well, that's those usually things. the case with most of the non Diablo Diablos, right? Uh, well, if I mean, if you're going to play something like Grim Dawn, Titan yeah, Quest, do you such, replay good... Grim Dawn a lot? Does oh, that oh a thing? Gosh, you... oh. The in game is where it's at. Oh, all what right. Are you talking about Chris. Nice. Yeah, but but I mean, but the but the point being, like with you know with Baldur's Gate, like the the old PlayStation Chamber X Men Legends or anything along those lines. Like when I think about those, they were a little bit more story driven, even though they weren't going to win any Emmy awards for their writing. If if Abomination Vaults can, if they can put a lot of good writing into it, which Alcat Games did, admittedly, breathe a lot of life into Kingmaker and Wrath of the Righteous that wasn't in those original books mm-hmm. and really flesh things those things out. I think that's where you, you have a good niche where this could shine. Make it as something that's designed to be played through once or twice with a really good, you know, story and writing. That would be because if you're going to try to win on gameplay against some of these big big juggernauts like Grim Dawn and 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 the such, I, I think you have a real huge challenge ahead of you. All right. Thank you, definitely Phil. beyond the scope of that studio, I would guess. <laughs> so hopefully they got good writers. <laughs> we'll Isn't see. that what they did with Sunday Good? Sunday Gold had decent writing, right? I didn't play I don't it. Remember. Don't know. I didn't play it. I have no idea. Yeah. And so now I'm going to have to look. <laughs> I want to know have any of you played For the King? Yes. Yes. For I'm the not, King. No. Yes, it is a board game type of thing, even though it's not like a real board game. It's one of, oh, wait, For the King says, yes, <laughs> yes, it's so uh, there there are board games that have been brought over to to Steam, you know, to play and on consoles and whatever have you like Monopoly and such. Mm-hmm. And then there is a whole slew of games that are feel like a board game but they're 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 a video like they're made they're a video game first and foremost but as you're playing and you're like man i could almost see this being um a board game it's got board game pieces it's got board game mechanics but it's just a little too complicated it's got a little bit too much going on to be a you know a decent uh, board game that's for the king it's a strategic rpg and it, and it, it, it basically it had uh it feels like a lot like a tabletop but it also has roguelike roguelike thing kind of going on with it so you'll do multiple runs you'll play you'll set out the board it has some randomized elements to it uh you you create a a party of three characters uh and you explore the world uncovering bonuses leveling these guys up i really enjoyed it one of the reasons i enjoyed it is when you get into combat it's uh, kind of very much similar to like a jrpg you got three of you and usually two or three or four of them and your stats are essentially percentages and those percentages are very clear in what they do and the damage you do is very clear just like in a board game there's not 
a lot of deep math on these things. You know, if your character has five attack and the enemy has one defense, you're going to do four damage if you hit and you've got a 90% chance because that's your attack score. So it's very, very clear. And I like having that control and understanding exactly what my chances are when I try to attack or defend or, or whatever. Um, and 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 it eventually, I mean, these the, the, the you know you'd go on these adventures. Eventually, you might hit the fail state, and that was cool. You got some extra currency that you could use to unlock future buildings, events, cards that would show up in future runs. So there was a loop there with For the King. It is so, a pretty fun game. They're making a sequel. Yeah, For the exciting. King two. And they've been showing off uh, some behind-the-scenes footage this week, showing the talk about the development of it, a lot of interviews and stuff. So we've got that video up. They have a closed beta going on from starting on May 10th until May 16th. And you can register through the game's Steam page if you'd like to, to try that out. Uh, if it's closed beta, I assume that means you have to pre-order the game or something. Um, uh, no, there's a sort of request access button, I think, or something. Oh, like okay. That. So it's just but, sign up. Yeah, All right. The, yeah, it's a it's a sign up and get a lottery or something. Yeah, so the beta will include access to the game's first five or the first of the game's five adventures in both single player and multiplayer. So you can check that out. We got more details in the story if you want to check it out or watch the video, or you, you can go find a cheap copy of the first game if you want to try that out. And see what the got, Phil talked about. Also, I'd like to point out yeah. that the guy in this video right here is wearing a WAN show hoodie from the Linus Tech Tips channel, and I know because I own that hoodie as well, and I think it's funny that he's wearing that hoodie, and I know what it is. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, the the original game's twenty dollars on Steam, but. What's really funny is there's a deluxe edition that includes the Lost Civilization DLC, and both of them together are eight bucks. There so you go. I would Do recommend that. the bundle deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is actually, and also one other thing, it is it is designed to be played co-op with friends because I mentioned that oh, you have three characters. Okay. Uh, so each one would control a character. Phil, will you be my friend? Can we play? I don't know. I'm oh, too busy all right, that's to okay. Kill you to yeah, be your friend. Right, that's fine. And that would be awkward. Uh, but yeah, that, the only thing, like if you're playing it single player, you are taking all three of their turns. So again, it feels like a board game. So you'll do player one, player two, player three, and and then, you know, <laughs> enemies take their turn. So, uh, that's the only thing for playing solo, but I play solo all the time and I have a good time with it. Cool. All right. So that's for the King two. Next, we have a limited edition announced for the game Cry Machina, which is a hundred bucks from NIS America. You get a physical deluxe edition for PS4, 5, or Switch. You get the Eden Database hardcover art book. You get the Hanamaru original soundtrack CD. You get a memorial art print. You get a two-battle acrylic display. You get a cloth poster and a collector's box. What the heck is Cry Machina? <laughs> I don't know what this game is. It's an action RPG. I think it's sort of a spiritual successor to Crystar. Okay, I don't remember which, which one Crystar is. You, yeah, that was a fairly, yeah. <laughs> trying to look at this video, but it's just soundtrack stuff, so that doesn't tell me. Anything. Oh yeah, no, that one. Cry <laughs> Machina is set in a post-apocalyptic world where mechanical girls aim to survive and become real humans. Oh, this is this is a game for um, uh, Robert. Tam, where are you? This is your game. <laughs> Sees game players traveling between the battlegrounds filled with mechanical foes around Eden and a safe haven owned as Imitation Garden. Okay. So go check that out. If you've been following Cry Machina and you care about the limited edition, uh, you can pre-order it now from the NIS America online store in North America. 
All right. We have some new release dates for the following games. Let's do this. For a Vast Future, which kind of looks like a Game Boy game, that's coming out on May 12th on the Nintendo Switch. Pocket Mirror Golden Trom, which is some anime game of... What is this? Oh, it looks like an RPG Maker game. Okay. Yeah. Some sort of horror-themed thing. Uh, from Astro Strip and Vizustella. Uh, it's coming on May 19th. It's a gothic, gothic horror RPG, so go check that out. It's a remaster of 2016's RPG Maker created Pocket Mirror. Oh, that's why it looks like an RPG Maker game. There you go. It'll be out on PC with uh, on Steam, and there's a giveaway for a selection of limited edition collectibles. So we have a link to that, assuming it's still going on, so you can find that on our site. Um, yeah, it's a Gleam contest you can go to on, on the Komodo Plaza website. So Pocket Mirror Golden Trauma coming out May 19th. Then we have Marvel's Midnight Suns for PS4 and Xbox One. They've got a date of May 11th, so that's this week. And they've canceled it on the Switch. Still no Gambit, so I don't care. I'm surprised they're continuing to develop things with this game. It doesn't sound like it did that well. I think they, yeah, the statement was just finishing off the stuff that they'd committed to. Already done. All right. Yeah. Just. Like yeah, does, DLC, if this thing DLC is patched is up and past. maybe it's good with all the any patches they've done in DLC, no, maybe. Well, I think yeah. I've heard, well, from what I've heard, the game itself was decent. It's just no one, no one wants it. <laughs> no, yeah, no one was. Like all friends interested. like it. They've it's sort of one of those it, things. Like, but sorry, I was gonna say they they like it, but uh, yeah, it isn't like they super super love it. But I, my friends usually like it. I think it's yeah. one of those things of like, who asked for this? Oh, I see. This last DLC was part of a season pass they did, so... Yeah, alright. <sighs> alright. Then Biomutant is getting a Switch version. <laughs> so, sweet, speaking of games nobody plays, uh, Biomutant <laughs> came out a while ago for, like, PC and stuff, and yeah. now it's getting a Switch version for November 30th of this year. It'll be out physically and digitally, and, uh, yeah. You can go check that out. Sam did not like it, so you can go read her review. But um, if uh, you want to go for Biomutant anyway, it's coming to the Switch. <laughs> All right, what do we got coming out? Um, in addition to the stuff we just talked about, we've got some new stuff. We've got Fuga Melodies of Steel 2 coming out this week for PC, PS4, 5, Xbox One, Series X, and X, and the Switch. Whew. Anna, you playing Fuga 2? No, she can't hear me. Okay. Uh oh! Here's the game. Fun fact: People who played Fuga the first game are too depressed to play the second one. Oh, it's not true. Kelly will be playing it. Uh, Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom is coming out for the Switch, as though it would come out for anywhere else. Um, No word yet if Kotaku has posted an article about how you can pirate it yet. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) inside joke. All right, Darkest Dungeon Uh... Two coming out for the PC. Dokapon Kingdom Connect for the Switch. Torchlight Infinite, yep, still a thing, coming out for PC, iOS, and Android. Abalon for PC and Mac. And then some ports, Weird West for PS5 and Xbox Series consoles. Ease 9 Mostrum Nox for the PS5. Marvel's Midnight Sun, we just talked about for Xbox One and PS4. And 4, A Vast Future for the Switch. So I assume most people are just going to play Tears of the Kingdom. Followed by me being interested in what the reviews say about Torchlight Infinite. Um, 
Yeah. All right. All right. We'll we'll get uh, any. You guys gonna pick up any of these? Um, probably Fuga no, at some point. Me. Too busy. Probably Fuga at some point. Alex said at least. I'm I not get allowed to the kingdom eventually, but mm-hmm. not right away. All right. I'm not allowed to play anything other than Skyrim, so that's, <laughs> that's it for me. It's forbidden. All right. We have some editorial stuff. We've got Xenoblade Chronicles 3, uh, a write up from Alex, who you've already heard from. So he liked it, as he told you earlier. We've got a review of Mage Seeker, the League of Legends story, uh, which is a single player RPG from League of Legends, uh, folks. Uh, four out of five from who's our reviewer here john jansen and says excellent engaging combat great cast epic boss battles but had some technical issues a repetitive gameplay loop and the upgrade system lacks depth still got a four out of five so it sounds pretty good uh we got a review up of raven lock by ryan mccarthy says uh two and a half out of five endearing visual style decent bosses doesn't drag on but the rest of the game doesn't live up to the visuals the combat becomes tiresome after a while and it has an unimaginative story uh ravenlock you'll recall is the one i would talk about on the previous shows talking about it's got a steampunk chicken that you fight and uh so i like the visual style that that's pretty cool uh harmony the fall of reverie got an impression from alex fuller anything you want to tell us about harmony alex oh right i played that too (laughs) it's fun it's basically it's sort of a narrative adventure slash visual novel from don't nod that's a stranger or what is it don't nod does life is strange life is strange that's the one yeah yeah but no it, it seems pretty interesting it's got some interesting sort of choice mechanic stuff and it's basically, I only played the first couple of hours because that was sort of the preview build. But it sort of does a nice job introducing its sort of weird choice mechanics. So rather than sort of just being basic branching or anything or sort of keeping track of stuff, you basically have a list of nodes within each conversation. You basically that activate small small vignettes as sort of what you Stuff you say sort of really impacts quite a lot of stuff in the future. It's interesting to see how complex that gets. But it seems like it's going to be well worth checking out for anyone who likes sort of narrative adventure style games. Cool. So it's not really an RPG at all? Um, no, not really. Okay, cool. Just wanted to be clear. All right. And then we've got a preview of Waven. W-A-V-E-N. You played this too? I didn't play this. Oh. It was, right. just, a, it was just a preview sort of demo from the developers so all right the heck is waving about it's the latest game from ankama who did uh dofus and wakfu oh so the animation's probably pretty good yes but <laughs> it's basically a tactical mmorpg oh wait what tactical mmo that, what <laughs> yeah oh it really is a dofus game look at this yeah okay a new multiplayer tactical rpg all right so here's we got is this co-op or party based how is this multiplayer or is this a gotcha phone game what is this it's more it's more multiplayer in that you're all sort of in the world and there's a few multiplayer bits so there's a couple of there's some there's some co-op there's some pvp coming to pc mac and mobile this is a free-to-play gotcha game isn't it well it's not gotcha but it's free to play uh-huh okay it's it's free to play with deck building but i think 
They did. Yeah, and how do you get those cards? Any of the monetization is um, aesthetic only. No. A game uh, like this, a- aesthetic-only monetization? <laughs> no, can't possibly be. I, I'm surprised. I'm legitimately surprised, but also happy. I'm just... I I don't know that I believe it. <laughs> Is there energy or something? I mean, there's two currencies up here, Alex. Yeah, sure. Either. Yeah, I'm sure. I don't know. When's it out? Um, this year, later this year. Later this year, W A V E N. Stay tuned. Um, I'm sure we'll have but some more content when it I comes think it's out. Very, it's very, it's very similar to the previous games. Yeah. But. All right. It'll be interesting to see if they pull that off and keep it aesthetics only. All right. Uh, I mean, they've had decent success in the previous two. Like the Wackfu got a fairly popular animation multiple series. So. That's true. All right. So again, that's Waven, W-A-V-E-N. It sounds like you're saying Raven, but your little kid with an uh, a lisp or something saying Waven. <laughs> I don't know what's up with that. But all right. And uh, yeah. Okay. Did we come up with a question of the week this week? We did not. Shoot. No, we have not. Uh, anyone have an idea? No. Mm. Someone has to. Oh man! Something about soundtracks. How many vinyl do you think Jason's going to buy this week? No. What's What's the biggest soundtrack you own? I don't know. Uh, what's uh, we don't I don't want to say favorite because we've done that before. Yeah. Um, what's the weirdest soundtrack you own? Oh God, I'm gonna need a second to think about this. <laughs> yeah, so that could be it's a weird collection. It was only shipped on a strange shaped USB drive. It's only on vinyl, but it's only like half a vinyl, so you have to like glue it with another piece to be able to play it. I, whatever it is, tell us what the weirdest soundtrack you own is. Um. Obviously, I'm making up stuff there, but all right. Uh, I need to know what you're going to play this week, Alex. Uh, oh, sorry, I was looking at my soundtracks. Mm. Um, Ash of Gods the Way, I think, is the main one I was going to play. Okay. Phil, what are you going to play this week? War Tales and Labyrinth of Doohickey. <laughs> Labyrinth of Zangetsu, you mean? Yeah, that thing. All right, that's one. Yeah, all there right. you go. <laughs> what about you, Jason? I'm going to keep banging away on cassette beasts. All right. So none of us are playing Zelda. Nope. What What is going on here? <laughs> Biggest Kelly, release uh, of Kelly's the year. Kelly's taking time off so she can play Zelda. Mm. <laughs> so. All right. Well, we'll hopefully we'll hear from Kelly. Uh, I'm just going to play more Skyrim, but you already knew that. I'm trying to clear up my schedule for June, where I will be playing new games then. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and I think that's it. So thank you, Alex and Phil and Jason, for joining me this morning or afternoon now. Uh, I hope all of you had fun listening to us. Evening, right, for you. Mm -hmm. I hope you all had fun listening. Uh, If you want to catch us live, it's 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern at twitch.tv slash rpgamer. Other than that, come to the website, rpgamer.com. Join in the discussion in the comment threads. uh, Leave a comment on this show. Tell us about the weirdest soundtrack you own. Uh, and we also have a Discord. Link is on the website, so come talk to us there and get ready to uh, reserve your new Discord username. Can't wait to see that cluster. 
Oh man, Discord. All right. Dare I ask? I, I'm completely out of the loop on that one. They're getting rid of the pound sign four digits that let you uh-huh. have whatever name you want, but just depend on those those four digits. Oh. So instead of that, they're going to go like every other service, which is you have to come up with a unique username. And then you'll have a display name is what people see. And then the unique username, which will be like Sabin 1001, like, you know, for me. Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, so no more just name with some numbers. We have to switch over for really no benefit whatsoever that anyone can figure other than we, I guess they felt like the pound sign with numbers was somehow unapproachable. I don't know. So they're getting rid of it. Switch into standard Twitter style and whatever usernames, and uh, it'll be first come, first serve to get them. So, yay. Fantastic. Um, I think, like, the older your account is, then maybe they can open it up in Windows. I'm not really sure. I'm sure it'll be weird, and you'll get an awkward name, and then you have to figure that out. And Ultimately, it's not going to matter either way, because it's still not going to even show up. So, like, why are we even changing it? Just to cause people stress that they don't it doesn't matter all right so discord's changing the name so that's a thing we learned about this week and it doesn't really matter so thanks for watching (laughs) we know that your time matters and we respect it and if you got some time leave a review for us in your favorite podcasting app or store of your choice because that always helps us out gets more listeners so with that i'm gonna say goodbye everybody and we'll see you next week and thanks again to all my guests and uh yeah bye-bye Bye. Bye.